Welcome to episode 46 of From the Shed End Podcast. As always, myself, Theo, T-Dot as well. How, how are you doing? Hmm. I've had better <laughs> way. I've ended years in a better way, let's put it like that. Um, wasn't the best way to end the year. Um, but probably we'll forget later on, but let's wish all the viewers a happy end to the year. Happy 2022 and hope you enjoyed your 2021. And now let's talk about some less you know, joyful stuff in Chelsea FC now. Yeah. Cause I mean, let, let's, let's sort of very briefly, let's talk about, obviously we're going on the back of a, a very good end to last season, winning the champions league, getting top four, everyone's on a high. We had the euros after that as well. So we, we went into the season with high expectations. I think we both even said, you know, the premier league is what we're, we're after. Um, the title of this episode is, is the title race over? for us um thomas tuchel thinks it is we can't compete in the title race is what he said yesterday after the game so you know we, we kind of had our expectations that we wanted to get the, the the premier league after the champions league do you think that is unrealistic now to, to think that we, we can't do that mathematically we probably can obviously but realistically i think we have to think about how city are the form that they're in the run they're on if we lose on sunday against liverpool i think we we'd probably have to say we're kind of out of the race now. Would you agree or do you disagree? Yeah. I mean, like you said, mathematically, it's still possible. Like I said in the previous episode as well, but then sometimes you have to look beyond the logics of maths and look at the current circumstances of the club, the injuries, the COVID cases, the Lukaku news that's just come out, which we'll touch upon in a bit. And it just seems like everything is going against us at the moment and we're not getting a single bit of luck. So, um, it pains me a lot to say, but I do think the title race is over. I'm always quite optimistic about things, but um, yeah, I just City just looks so relentless. And like we say all the time, they only get better after Christmas as well. And I think Chelsea and um, and Liverpool are the big losers with the African Cup of Nations with the players that they're losing in our goalkeeper and probably Liverpool's two most attacking players. Um, so I think City will just, you know, get stronger and stronger in the new year. And I think... One or, two, one or two of the teams are going to, have to drop points in January. It's going to be Chelsea and Liverpool over City. So let's say it's not over. Let's just go with the logic of maths. So stay optimistic. But yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not as optimistic as you. I think, personally, I think it's done. I think after, you know, you think about how many points I think we've dropped from the start of December, end of November. All those draws, those 1-1s that we've had, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying obviously if we win, obviously I'm going to look like an idiot because we, you know, we live one of the Premier League, but I just think the way that we've performed over this month and not even just this month, we've got to think about next month is just as busy. We, you know, we've got some big games coming up, Carabao Cup, FA Cup as well. So it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. I think if we, if we can even attempt to, to make it a title challenge after this, but I wanted to, um, to go through yesterday's game, talk about some of the play, well, not some, the, the players that started. Um, wanted to do some player ratings. So I think it's only fair that we, I let you do most of this. So I think, because um, you was at the game obviously as well. So you, you probably had a better perspective of some of the things that, that went on during the game. But if we just go from goalkeeper to Satan, as he's known currently at the moment, um, number nine. So, I thought Mendy played really well. I thought he he pulled off some really good saves. Um, I, I can't remember the numbers, shots and target that Brighton had, but I'm sure it was double figures um, at, at the end of the game. But what was your assessment of um, Edouard Mendy? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I know I was at the game, but I've refused to watch the highlights. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you take the lead on this one of the ratings, if I'm honest. But yeah, from from my, my memory of the game yesterday um, at Stamford Bridge, Mendy was quite solid, probably one of our best players. He made a few important saves. Um, he did what he had to do. The 90th minute header from Welbeck, not much you can do about that. You know, it's it went into the corner. It caught him off guard as well. So um, I think Mendy did his job. We've conceded, obviously, he kept a clean sheet, so he can't get too high of a rating. Um, he didn't keep a clean sheet, sorry. Um, I think it's just 7 out of 10 is a fair for, it, um, for Edouard Mendy. Yeah, I think it's a, I think that's justified. I think he, like you said, he pulled off some really good saves. Um, 
for the goal, I'm not, you know, I can't really, I can't really criticize him. I think it was um, Chiloba and Rudiger who, who potentially should be doing better, which we'll get onto shortly. But one of the key things that was very obvious to see, in my opinion, was um, Christian Pulisic at right wing back. I wasn't happy with that. I understand the logic behind it because obviously um, Tariq Lamptey, Reese James, you kind of expect Reese James to be able to handle Tariq Lamptey as well. But um, just in terms of Pulisic, what was what was your thoughts on him? Because I, again, I, I probably would have scored him a four, maybe a five in the position that he played. Yeah, it's not his strongest position. I uh, thought he was pretty average. He played quite well in that position in, in the second half of the Aston Villa game, but didn't really offer much in um, in the game yesterday. I can understand Tuchel's logic in dropping Alonso, keeping him fresh maybe for the Liverpool game as well. And um, starting James, you know, up against Lamptey. You know, James is powerful, he's strong, he's pacey. And that kind of leaves us, you know, with that free slot at right wing backs. We don't have the depth in our squad at the moment in the wing back position. So it, he was kind of forced to play at Pulisic. He doesn't have, he's got, you know, better pace and he's got the legs unlike Azpilicueta. So that makes sense. But, um, but yeah, I think... Um, are we doing ratings here or? Yeah, yeah. We're getting the ratings done. Yeah, yeah. Just give him a five out of 10, I think. Yeah, I think he was a five. Right? And and to give him any credit, obviously it's not his natural position, like you said. Mm. So um, I didn't expect much from him. I, I just, it, it highlights what we've spoke about on here before many times. The well, Yes, we've got squad depth, but when you have, you know, you factor in injuries to that as well, it, it highlights a massive thing when you're having to play Christian Pulisic as, as right wing back. So I think five's justified um, in, in terms of that. But Cesar, Cesar Aspiaqueta, who um, you, you pull in the face, anyone who's not, <laughs> anyone who's not um, watching on YouTube, Theo's pulling the face like you can smell shit at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do love Aspi. I do love him. I love Dave. But oh. I don't know. It's just. To fair, I'd pull the face of any of the centre-backs at the moment. Even yeah, I mean, yeah. Rudiger was probably the best out of the lot yesterday with some important blocks. But Christensen, before his injury, looked a, you know, he looked a bit a bit lost at times. Chiloba wasn't at his, his best. You know, like you said, he could have done maybe better for the Welbeck header. And Aspi, obviously, I don't know, I think he's he's losing his pace, he's losing his strength. I do want him to stay more. You know, he's he brings so much to his team and like leadership experience. But you know, big, big games. And I do think the, the game yesterday is a big one. We have to treat it like that, you know, because now that we, we drop points, we drop two points, we're almost out of the title race. So it's, it's a shame. It's kind of a game. I think definitely Silva would have started probably had he, had he not um, got, in, got an injured uh, away to Aston Villa. But yeah, as P again, I think five out of 10 is fair. You know, kept a clean sheet until the 90th minute and then conceded. So yeah, I'll just go with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, I'd, I'd probably give him, I'd probably give him a six because I thought he did do I thought again he played very well. We know he can play centre back. It's not his natural position. He likes to play, a, and I think if that was another game, he would have probably started in that right wing back position. But I think you you hit the nail on the head with you know the lack of speed that he's got. He, he's not the fastest anymore. Um, he doesn't he doesn't look as solid as he used to. You know, talking five years ago or so, he, you know he doesn't seem like that sort of defender that he used to be. So that might just be age. Might be the fact that he's playing a, a large number of games now. Um, you know, at the age that he is, so it could just be that. But I'd, I'd give him a six. I'd give him a six. I thought he he definitely um, pulled off some good saves. And and he, again, you know, it's not his natural. It's not his natural position, if we want to call it that. But um, move over to Christensen, who, if I'm honest, yeah, he's a five. He's a five for me. He he was, like you said, uh, which we're going to touch on afterwards, but I feel like something is going on at Chelsea. I don't know what it is, whether it's backroom issues, contract issues. I think his head's gone. I think he doesn't want to be there. If I'm honest now, I think it's kind of coming out slowly that he he, he wants to move away to Barca or to wherever he's going to be. Um, yeah, I think he was, I think he was average. I think I'd give him a five, to be honest. Yeah, um, I'd agree with the rating. He only played one half of football. The one thing that makes me feel a bit like I want to protect him a little is that he, when Rhys James pulled his hamstring, ruptured his, his, his hamstring, that at that same period, Christensen was on the floor, you know, had holding his back. Mm. And he was forced to play another about 25 minutes of football with that injury. 
So um, it's a bit harsh to kind of, you know, point the finger to him. I don't want to point the finger to any of the players. Really, I'm not yeah, that yeah, type of no. person. But um, he played about 20 minutes, 25 minutes with his back pain and then was substituted at halftime for Chiloba. But, you know, that being said, I just feel like we can power a lot of our centre-backs at the moment to, you know, the passion and the drive that Rudigo or Silva bring. And like you said, he wasn't really up there. Christensen is like his head is elsewhere. He's not starting as many games and he's not that same Christensen we saw, you know, at the start of the season or even at the back end of last season. So, um, yeah, I think five out of ten is fair. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, someone who is surprising me, to be fair, and we, we spoke about him on here separately before, and the more I'm seeing of him, the more I am thinking at 400 grand a week. <laughs> Uh, Rudiger for me at the moment and I'm, I'm talking maybe up there you know Bar Thiago Silva is the best centre-back we've got you know if we're talking about someone who can play consistent, consistently obviously we know that Thiago Silva plays one game misses one plays one misses two or you know vice versa but I think Rudiger at the moment whether that's because he wants to play for a move away from Chelsea or the fact that he's he just wants to put a shift and he wants to be committed to the club still until contracts resolved or he moves on but I thought he was brilliant I thought he you know he put in some key blocks um one thing I love to see about him he loved to drive forward the ball mm. he, he done that quite a few times and it's always strange because when he picks the ball up in the sort of final third you know the crowd are telling him to shoot um I, I, you know I thought he played a, a good game and I'll, I'll give him that I think he, he had a, a very good game but Again, you know, you look at the, those three centre-backs, um, even when, you know, the subs come on, Chalobah comes on, but it just wasn't enough. And like I said before, you know, the goal that went in, again, I'm not blaming uh, Chalobah or Rudiger, but I just think there's you know, there's two people marking one player and he still gets the, the goal off. So, you know, so someone's got to do a bit more, I think, and be a bit more closer, a bit more aggressive in trying to win that header for me. But what was your thoughts for you? Yeah, I, I can just echo everything you said. I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch yesterday. Um, made some big, big blocks, some big tackles. Um, even at times made, went on some of those crazy runs that we like to see Tony Rudiger do. And um, I think what would, I, don't, I still think he's, there's no way we, we should be offering him £400 a week. No player in our current squad's worth paying £400,000 a week. Mm. Um, but what would be interesting is should we offer him a contract, you know, above £300,000 a week? I'd actually expect his level to drop off a bit. I feel like he's almost playing for that contract. He's playing for a move away, like you said. Same probably with a lot of players at the moment. You know, you look at Mbappe, look at Salah, their contracts, you know, finished this summer and they're, you know, they're playing probably the best football of their careers at the moment. So you do wonder, you know, are they playing for a move away? Are they trying to, you know, impress some potential, you know, other clubs? You know, Rudiger's free to negotiate, you know, a, a deal with a club abroad in January, the likes of Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich, all interested. It's another frustrating one because I do want him and Christensen to stay, but clearly now, in September, I was just so sure they'd sign new contracts before the end of the year. We're now, you know, the 30th of December and he still haven't put pen to paper. I'm always tempted to say, no, let them leave now. If they haven't really agreed on a new contract, let them leave. I agree with you. I think it's got, we've got to the point now, and I, I say this again, we'll talk about Lukaku shortly, but I think if, if we're getting to the point where it's squeaky bum time and we still haven't got those, you know, the, the ink isn't like, drying on the paper on the contract I think we just need to start thinking of plan B's start thinking about a Kunde or um and, you know a Wesley Fofana if he was I think he's still injured but if, if someone like that you know we've got to start thinking about plan B's now because mm. ultimately the ball is in the player's court at the moment and what we don't want to do is lose three key players in 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 the one area of the the team as well it's not like we're spreading it across the you know attacking or midfield it's it's, it's the key part of the team so I just think we've got to start thinking long term now and if they do sign then great you know obviously we want want them to stay but yeah it, for me it, like I said a few weeks ago we haven't seen anything any progress from before Chris uh, well before Christmas and before you know November October we haven't seen any any progress to any of these contracts being signed so I, I just think now we've got to get to the point where yes they play for us if they sign for another club, then we've just got to start thinking about plan B's, in my opinion. Yeah, plan B is really important at the moment, like you said, because I'm looking at our screen right now. There's three centre-backs, which we've just given ratings to, could be gone in June. Yep. You know, three starting Premier League centre-backs, which leaves us just with Chiloba, Thiago <laughs> Silva and Malang Sarr. <laughs> 
So it's, it's I, I smile and I'm, I'm giggling, but it's it's more of a sort of nervous laugh. Um, you know, if we lose those three, that is a massive part of your spine. You know, regular regular players that you've got in there that you know you lose. Um, you bring in three new centre backs, expecting to gel straight away pre-season, coming off the back of you know playing for different clubs. It's it's not easy, and we've seen clubs try and do that before, and it doesn't work. So you know, for me. Yeah, I, I, obviously we can't get them in. I, I can't imagine we'll get any in, in, in January, but we've got to start thinking about it from now. Um, Reese James, let's talk about Reese because it's it's a strange one because I really want to give him a, a really bad bad scoring, but I, I can't obviously because he but, again. Yeah. The I don't injury. think it's fair not to give him a rating. I think I don't think yeah. you know just put an NA next to his name because we know how good he is. We know. He hasn't been maybe to the level that he showed in November in the last couple of games, but the fact he went after that terrible injury, mm. you know, he, was, he didn't even get off the pitch. He did two people to, you know, get him off the pitch. And uh, are we going to give him a rating for 25 minutes of football? I don't think that's fair. I, yeah, you know. yeah. I think but, it was, um, I think what was more worrying as well was almost knew it was a bad injury as soon as he went down. Terrible, and yeah how how long it took him to come off the, the pitch as well. Um, obviously he didn't come off with a stretcher, but just, you could tell, I mean, you probably, again, if being there, you didn't see it, but the TV camera was, you know, clo- close up to his face and you can see sort of grimace in his face when he was the coming agony. off. So, the yeah, agony, he, yeah. He, and he knew as well, you could tell mm. how severe the injury was just from the fact of the expression in his face. So, um, and obviously we, we, we posted the, the, the footage of him leaving Stanford Bridge in crutches. Um, so it, it does look bad. I think it's going to be, if it's a tear for hamstring, I mean, you know, you're talking at least maybe two months, you know, six six weeks, probably a bit longer, um, which worries me because, you know, Alonso's our, our natural wing back is Alonso, mm. which doesn't fill me with joy. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we have to see. I mean, obviously, Tuchel hasn't come out and, and said how long the expectation is for, for Reese James. So we'll have to see about that one. But Mateo Kovacic. One of the poorest yeah. games. Uh, yeah. I, I've watched Kovacic performing. Um, usually he's so good in midfield, full of energy. He looked quite lackluster yesterday, misplacing passes, losing the ball. A very unorthodox Mateo Kovacic performance, if I'm honest. And his, you know, midfield next, midfielder next to him, Jorginho, was quite poor as well. He looked very tired. He's still playing, playing with back pain and injections in his back. He's playing for injury. So it's hard to point the finger to them. I, I almost feel like Kovacic as well probably rushed back from his injury and his COVID isolation. So it's just, uh, but they were, they were very poor yesterday. You know, you need a good midfield. We looked better when Kante came on and more solid, more better going forward as well. But I'm going to be do the two of them together I think we've been giving poor you know players that perform very averagely a 5 out of 10 I think the two of them deserve maybe a 4 or 5 as well because they were very poor and unlike their usual selves yeah and I think especially the second half Brighton ran, ran us ragged you know they came out the block second half probably for the, the you know the first 20 minutes of the second half it just looks it looked like you know when when are they going to score not if when, when you know when are they going to score and um, you just felt that goal was always going to come at some point, whether it's going to be um, early on in the second half or, or as it has been for us quite often, that sort of last ditch, sort of last attempt conceding a goal in the, the sort of latter stages of the game. But yeah, I have to agree with you. I think, you know, Jorginho, Kovacic, they, you know, they are they are um, players that you expect a lot more from. And yesterday they just gave us a four out of five, uh, four out of, you know, four out of 10. Um performance it just wasn't the natural midfield that we need and, and maybe Kovacic is down to the fact he's been out of the game slightly you know he hasn't played as much football um, you know he has been sort of injured and the COVID stuff as well so he could you know got to factor some of that into that but again you know you, you know you're playing for a title you know you're trying to, to win the league I agree with you you know Kante comes on he does change the game but I was annoyed that he had to come on as well I think mm, he's yeah. you know we've got a big game against Liverpool on Sunday and, and to risk Kante in a game where we should be comfortable you know we should be Brighton have got uh, like I think I said on the last episode you know they've been they haven't apart from um, I think it was Brentford the other day that they played um, apart from that game they haven't won in their last 10 I think so um when they scored, I was still apprehensive. I thought they might actually get another one here. Mm. So 
Kante coming on, obviously he done he done well. He done what he, we know he can do. He's world class. We know that. But he, him coming into those games now and to the, the part of his career that he's in, and I think you mentioned this last week. You know he's going to pick up those odd injuries now, and mm. I think to risk him against Brighton when you've got Liverpool tells me that Thomas Tuchel was, was throwing the kitchen sink at the game. Um, you know, using all everything he had to try and to try and win. And as well, we, this goes back to the topic of last week, um, the last episode, episode forty-five. Should we introduce? five substitutions per game. We were forced into two defensive substitutions within 45 minutes. We mm. Tuchel probably had the intent of playing Z, um, Kai Havertz for the 15, 20 minutes to give him minutes yeah. before the Liverpool game. And he, could, he, he couldn't do that now because the only substitution he had left was, you know, what, to bring on Kante, which we had to do in a way because we had to conserve all the, you know, the threat that Brighton were, were showing. And it's just so frustrating. I just feel like the players are dropping like flies at the moment. And... <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just so many, so many things that are going against us, and then we'll probably rate them now. But Hudson Odoi, I thought had a decent game. I was actually furious at him for that pass that he had for um for you mean the, the, the shots. <laughs> it was a <laughs> shot. <laughs> it, it it was a handball as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was brave enough to log into Twitter just twenty minutes before this recording because I I was furious last night. <laughs> but, but I saw I saw a video which I sent to you. It's a clear handball. Yeah, I was going to send it to you earlier, and I thought yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to piss you off anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just thinking, like, how's VAR not even looked at? I don't want to go on a rant here. I could go on a big, big rant about VAR, about English referees and all that. But I'll save that for after the Liverpool game with Anthony Taylor. Yeah, you, you'll need it for yeah. then. You'll need it. Yeah, but, I'll need it for then. But Mountain answer the door again. Not their best game, if I'm honest. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think Hudson Odoi is is one where I think people is marmite, isn't he? People yeah. love him or they hate him, and I think he's I, I, I think he's got the quality. I think I said this earlier on Twitter, but he's got the quality to be a, a, a very good, maybe even a top player. Um, not necessarily just at Chelsea, but as he goes on in his career, and I think he's only twenty one, so he's still got a lot of. Football. We have to remember that. We have to yeah. remember he's twenty one. It's young, you know, and I think people compare him to a Phil Foden or, you know, someone of that age bracket as well. Um, but he's still got a lot of football to play. So I, I still think he's learning his his game. I do agree that he's playing for one of the top clubs in Europe, you know, so he's got to, he's got to try harder. I understand that pair as well. I think his decision making is very poor. Mm. Uh, I think he's, this is the second time now, back to back. I think it was Aston Villa. Um you know, last game and then obviously against Brighton yesterday, you've got to shoot. You've just got, if you've got the ball and you're one-on-one with the goalkeeper, just shoot the ball. If you don't, if you miss, I, I'd, I'd be more annoyed that you, you know, you don't shoot. And that, that for me, and it's the same philosopher's cheek. I've said on here before, he's brilliant going forward. He, he can hold the ball up. He can get forward, but he can't shoot. And it's the same for Hudson Odoi for me, you know, that those, those parts of your game, you've got to adapt because if you don't, you know, you won't last long at Chelsea. There'll be someone else who wants to come in and take that spot. You know, a, a Harvey Vale or so whoever will come in and take that spot because he's he's great getting forward. He's great taking on players, but just just shoot yeah. the ball, just shoot. Completely have to agree. His decision making at times is really questionable. He just almost like he panics when he gets into the penalty box. He doesn't know what to do. He holds the ball for too long, or just I know, maybe it's something he needs to work on on the on the training pitch, but. If you can improve that part of his game, and he's only 21, like you said, we have to remember that. Then he's, he's a brilliant footballer. But another player that you know, a lot of Chelsea fans, well, at least the Chelsea fans that I interact with on Twitter, like to scapegoat and point the finger to, a bit like Alonso. But um, but no, it, it, no, we're not one of his best games. But then again, none of the players really performed yesterday. So a rating for him, I'd probably be, a, again, a 5 out of 10. I think everybody would deserve the... A five out of ten, almost apart from maybe yeah. Rudiger, Mendy, and Lukaku. Yeah, I'd give Hudson a doy a matter of five. I think, I think you're you're right. I think Mason Mount was quiet during that game at mm. times. I don't think he. Uh, again, I don't know if it's just again the number of games that he's playing. Playing um, a lot of football, he is playing a yeah. lot of football, and he has he has done for back to back seasons. And you think about even you know during Lampard's time now, I think he had that sort of break when Tuchel came in. He was sort of subbed on a few times. I think there was one or two games, um, but even you know you think about. The, the the Euro competition as well 
then coming back into a new season. So he's played a lot of football over the last 18 months. And yeah, it was a, it was a five for me, but again, you know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him individually. I think like you said, that's a, a blanket rate. And I think I could give to pretty much most of that squad yesterday, but Lukaku, I really, I really don't want to give him this rating, but I'm going to, I'm going to give him, a, I'm going to give him a seven. Because I think he was the only player, outfield player, bar Rudiger, who looked up for the game. Yeah, if I'm honest, he, he looked like he wanted the game. You know, he was frustrated if he didn't get the ball. You know, he, he was trying to win the ball. He was he just you know, muscling the defenders. The goal, I mean, the goal was brilliant. You know, I don't know what, um, I think it's Mopai. I don't he committed know a foul first, if anything. Yeah, he was, he was rugby tackling Lukaku and obviously... You know, you just don't do that to someone who <laughs> looks like he goes to the gym, you know, twenty three hours a day. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good goal. You know, he looked like he was up for it, and I, I was impressed with him. You know, it's it's good to see him slowly coming back into the form that we need him to come back into as as the number nine. But um, I agree with you. I don't think the intention was to to play Lukaku for the full game. I think that would have been a a sub maybe to give Kai Havertz or you know Timo Werner that role maybe for a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know what you think about him, what his yeah. performance was like yesterday. Like I said, I think Mendy and then the outfield players in Rudiger and Lukaku were our, you know, our sharpest players yesterday. They looked the most up for it. You know, probably the most frustrated as well at full time not to get the three points. And I thought Lukaku's goal was brilliant, you know, header, dominant header. Um, other than that, I'm not sure he did too much. Like you said, maybe he bullies a lot of players off the ball brush a lot of players look it's almost effortless at times when he just pushes players away and they fall over but it's not a foul it's just because Lukaku is stronger than them like he said he says if he goes to the gym 23 hours a day you know he's a bully he's a big player he can still improve his game I want to say there's still yeah. elements of his game he can improve like that chance when it's Hudson Adoy and Hudson Adoy and Mount in front of goal Lukaku was nowhere to be seen you know, he's your number nine. He should be the one in the penalty in the box, box asking for the ball. So there's small things like that at times that you're wondering, you know, if he's not the one bringing the ball to the penalty penalty uh, box himself, then sometimes he's nowhere to be seen. You know, he, I, I say this a lot about Bern, Werner, but he used to, a couple of times today, I saw him drift to the side. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a time, I think in the first half, when uh, Christensen and Reese James were injured, Mendy came rushing out of his penalty box to talk to Lukaku, you know, when he had a minute or two. And I think, I can't tell what they were talking about. It was my goal kicks going to go to you, be ready to receive them. And Lukaku mm-hmm. at the times he did, you know, he did a good job to try to get it, but not good enough. You know, I know that Dan Burns a big center back, but you know, he wasn't good enough, you know, defending, you know, winning those balls or those second balls when Mendy would try to clear them from the, from the, um, from the goal kick. So there's, there's still parts that he can improve, but uh, yeah, seven out of 10 is a fair rating for him. I know everyone talks about his first touch, but I really noticed that yesterday. I really noticed how, at times it's almost like the ball bounces off him. Like, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's such a, it's such a weird one. Cause sometimes he's brilliant with the ball and, you know, he can hold it up and he can, he receives it really well. And then there's times where it just almost, it's like the ball's running away from him. It's so hard mm. to describe. So I think I agree with you. There's definitely parts of his game that he just needs to adapt and um, maybe he's never going to get there. I don't know. He's, he's how old is now? 28, 29. Um, so there's there's probably parts of it that he's probably never going to develop because of you know he's he's coming to that stage where he should be doing these things already he should be getting in the box he should be not drifting he should be in the box that's where you want your number nine so maybe he's never going to get there I don't know maybe it's something that Tuchel's asking him to do but whatever it is it you know this is the time now where he's going to have to especially after what's come out tonight this is where he's got to step up now and and be that that number nine, be that leader up front, and put the ball in the back of the net. That's what he's getting paid to do. Now, also wondering now, is he committed to Chelsea after the comments and the interview that's just come out? So, if Fabrizio Romano is reporting it, then it's got to be a bit of bit it's of legs and truth to it. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's worrying. It's quite worrying, and we'll we'll touch on it in a bit. But let, let, let's do it right now. Let's let's get straight onto it now. Um, obviously. You just mentioned there around the, the interview that I think was was held, I think three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Um, now, I, I don't want to misquote what was said, so I am going to pull it up. Um, I'm going to try and pull it up on here, actually. Maybe if I can just pull it up on, on the screen so everyone can see it as well. Um, it's such a weird, such a weird thing to, to, to say, I suppose, isn't it, as well? 
Yeah, I mean, you're just, you're just hoping the words were twisted. And that's not actually how he came across in the interview. I want to see the video evidence, but you know, the way he opens up by saying, I want to, I want to stay professional or I'll be professional. I think because you want to stay professional, but here you are throwing your manager under the bus. Yeah. And then (laughs) it contradicts what his agent also said two days ago. I think Federico Pastorello is his agent. Yeah, he said two days ago that Lukaku is very happy at Chelsea, and is also the one who pushed for the move to Chelsea and wanted to leave Inter Milan. So you're kind of wondering which one's the, which one's lying? Who's lying? Is it the agent? Is it the player? Is it the person who interviewed Lukaku? So I don't I, know. I think, I think for me, one of the things I'm just trying to pull it up, but one of the things that um, sort of the first sort of question that I had um, was around. So hopefully we can see that on there. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I, I kind of thought about initially was the timing. The timing of this is so weird. In, not in terms of what time, sort of 8pm or whatever it came out. I'm talking in terms of we've got a big game against Liverpool in less, well, 48 hours or so. Um, just off the back of a weird Brighton game where, yes, you scored a goal, but we didn't win. It's such a weird time for all of this. And I know you know, Lukaku's not in control of that at all. I, don't mean that in that sense but just what a weird time for it to come out so I'm sure there's things the club the club must have been briefed that this was going to be something that was probably going to come out at some point I don't know whether they can get those kind of things stopped I don't know how it works but give me your thoughts on what he said obviously no one's bigger than the club we know that already yeah you know no one's bigger than the club but do you think that those, because I said to you offline, I think I need a bit of context. I need mm. to understand. And I think you said the full transcripts kind of come out now, but I just want to know the context. Is that his actual words? And if they are, then, you know, he need, he, know, he knows where the airport is. He knows where, you know, there's, I think there's three airports in London. You know, you can choose one and, and you can go, but, you know, what, what's your thoughts? It's, it's surprising. It's extremely surprising. You'd have thought Lukaku was the happiest player at Chelsea. He was, you know, happy to be back at his boyhood club, if you can call it like that, after Anderlecht, the club that brought him to, to the Premier League. You know, he grew up being a Chelsea fan. Then again, maybe you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. If he's had a fallen out with Thomas Tuchel, you're maybe thinking he wanted to play during that period. He just came back from injury, whereas Thomas Tuchel wanted to be a bit more conservative and, you know, give him the odd 15, 20 minutes in the game or so before he can fully, you know, integrate back into the team. Mm. So maybe he's frustrated because he's the type of player that wants to score every goal, wants to be the top goal scorer of the league. And then maybe the other thing I'm trying to think is in that interview, he was almost trying to apologise to the Inter fans for the way he left. And then his words were twisted and it came across as he wanted to be back at Inter. He wants to finish his career at Inter or whatever it may be. But, you know, now he's deactivated his Twitter account, whether he's getting hate from Chelsea fans after the interview or because he's preparing a statement to pull out, you know, to apologise or whatever it may be. But like you said, I'm very 50-50 about it. I don't want to, you know, give any any hate to Lukaku because I still think he loves Chelsea. He's committed to the club. Mm. But at the same time, I like you said, I want a bit more context. I want to understand, you know, where these words came from, if he's committed to the club beyond this season. And like, like, it, like you said, again, if he wants to go back to Inter, he can go. No, no players bigger than the club. I think it's so weird because I know, obviously, he didn't necessarily want to leave Inter. I think we have to remember that he didn't, the way that the transfer happened was he kind of was happy at Inter. He didn't really want to go. Um, I think they, obviously, they're in a, quite a bit of debt as well um, at Inter. So I think the deal made sense. I think the, the way that it, he left probably wasn't the best way to leave a club in terms of Inter, but he was coming back to the club that he's always said he loves. He, like you just said, you know, he, he's always never forgotten Chelsea, even when he's played, you know, United or wherever he's gone afterwards, he's always remembered his sort of Chelsea roots. And I, I think, I think whatever those words were in terms of the, the system or whatever Thomas Tuchel's doing, it's not, it's not uh, in a way, something that we've all kind of probably, it's not all of us, but a lot of Chelsea fans have said, a lot of Chelsea fans have said, Conte's come out, I think as well, and said, you know, they're not getting the best out of how he's got to play Lukaku. So I don't, 
I don't necessarily disagree with the statement. I think the more, for me, the shock is that it's coming from the player that's involved. And I think that's what's more annoying and pit, you know, pissed me off a bit was the fact that it's come from directly from him. If it was someone mm. linked to Lukaku, you know, his brother or an agent or, you know, Rock Nation, I, I'd go off, you know, you know, you know, agents mm. are like, you know what, you know, management companies are like, they just want to, you know, add fire to the fuel um, or fuel to the fire even. Mm. Um, but if it's him that's done that, he's, you know, he's come out and said this, that tells me there's a lot going on behind the scenes at Chelsea. There's, you know, we spoke about, and we'll talk very briefly shortly about the contracts, but there's something kind of bubbling away. The performances are kind of marry up now, you know, it kind of marries up and tells you that something doesn't make sense what's going on. So, you know, he's not been starting games as well. He's been fully fit. As we know, I think I said on here a few few weeks ago, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, he should be put in the team to be the number nine. So, yeah, it's it's it's, an, it's annoying because I think, like I said, timing is key for anything. And we've got a big game against Lille. And this is, this is what I'm going to ask you, actually. If you're Thomas Tuchel and he has come out and he has said this, do you play him on Sunday? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, we can't afford not to play him. I don't think Kai Havertz is fully fit. And I do think that... I do think that Lukaku will speak out before the game against Liverpool, some kind of cryptic message on Instagram, you know, not apologising, but still showing his love and admiration for Chelsea and maybe the manager and the, his colleagues. And I, I just also hope that Didier Drogba gives him a little phone call in between time, almost like he's already, a he's, he's already done it. <laughs> yeah, you probably know it, like almost like a telling off, you know, or some kind of like, bro, what the fuck kind of phone call, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, and, he's, and also small things like you never know the tone of voice he had when he said those words in the interview. You know, yeah. it's kind of, and I kind of looked into the the, the person who interviewed him. He's a Inter Milan journalist. Well, this is this is the thing, and this is why I think I need the context because yeah. I think. It's Inter Milan. Someone who's linked to Inter Milan, who's doing asking the questions. It just for me, it just seems a bit more of clickbait. It was probably conducted in Italian as well, which maybe yeah. when you translate, it's different. Or yeah, I, this is why. I, and I, 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 you know, I wanted to talk about it on here, obviously, but I just wanted to. I think for me, I, I, I want to hear that sort of explanation from Lukaku. The fact is, deactivate kind of tells me that he's gonna give us something to say these were my words or this is what I, my, my interpretation of what I was trying to say or something along those lines. And, you know, obviously Rock Nation being his management team, I'm sure they're working away as we speak to try and pull something together before the Liverpool game. But I don't know if I'd, I think I'd bench him if I'm honest. I think, I think I'd bench him just as a, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite stubborn. So I think I'd bench him out of it principle. Did, it did happen with Diego Costa when he, during that January 2017, I remember he asked to leave or he fell out with Conte or whatever it yeah. was. And then he was benched for the game against Hull City, I remember. So it's just too important of a game. That's what annoys me. No, I know. You know? And this is why I said timing is everything because, you know, you ideally, you know, you, you need his back so, sort of scoring form. You need him back in that sort of... Um, a, a big game against Liverpool, you need him. But I just think in terms of if he has said that, in my opinion, Tuchel's got no choice but to bench him. Mm. Bring him on, definitely bring him on. But I think you've got to bench him just to say, look, I'm the boss and, and what I say goes. And, and that's it. I think that's how it has to work. But we'll have to see. I mean, like like you said, you know, he, he might bring out some sort of cryptic message tomorrow or um what day is it today thursday so yeah saturday you might bring out a cryptic message but mm. happy happier news let's move over yes. to some happiness well, he talks let's, about something positive let's, <laughs> let's get some positivity back on the podcast so jt the captain the legend the leader he's back he's back at, at chelsea um in in a, a part-time part-time role as um it's part of the academy um, youth, staff, youth development youth yeah. development so um brilliant brilliant appointment i've got to say i think um it's a step in the, the right direction to be in the hot seat at stanford bridge at one point but what, what's your thoughts on on jt returning just seeing you know, having john terry's presence at cobham is going to be fantastic for the young players just for the morale of the chelsea fans of the team um a little surprised as well i thought he was ready for a, a role in management maybe a championship club or um you know he you know that he was doing all of his coaching certificates and all that so um you do wonder is it a step down for him you know after he was assistant manager at villa was 
is he ready for management? Um, you know, he's linked to the Nottingham Forest job a couple of months ago. Um, but at the same time, from a Chelsea perspective, it's just great to see him back at Cobham at Stamford. You know, he'll probably be a, a lot more games now around Stamford Bridge, you know, working around the youth team, you know, their games. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite it's good to see. And just new as well, even when he was at Villa, he was still so in, you know, watching every single Chelsea game. And um, he, I think he was liking even, you know, when we'd be Aston Villa, he was liking posts of Aston Villa's Instagram account with a full-time score. And you're a bit like... <laughs> So yeah, it's um, it's good. It's good. It's really funny. This something that's making me smile again. So it's good. It's a good point you make around. Um, is it a step down or is it is he is he ready for management? I think that the answer is yes. He definitely is. But I think what he doesn't want to do, and he's probably seen you know Wayne Rooney, Frank Lampard, mm. these players who've gone into these management roles. Not not saying they've rushed into them, but they've gone into them, and it's 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 not worked out for them. And I think he probably wants to pick his time wisely and, and maybe develop a little bit more um, and then try and find a role. And I think what he probably doesn't want to do is tarnish his management reputation mm. before it's even started. A bit like, I'm not saying Lampard's done that, but I think big job at Chelsea. And then you look at Rooney now, I think Derby, if not rock bottom, they're sort of, I know they've had points deductions, but you know, they're not playing the best football at the moment either. Um, he doesn't want to do that, I don't think. So I think it's a really good appointment. I think, you know, the, the, the younger sort of kids coming through at Chelsea, they're going to learn a lot from someone like JT. And he probably won't just be as part of that youth. I'm, I'm pretty sure if we know JT as JT, he's still going to have some sort of influence on, you know, the under 23s and then even maybe some of the senior players will, you know, just having them around will, mm. will rub off on them, I think, as well. I want that picture of John Terry and Thiago Silva together in yes, Chelsea kits. We need Legendary. to see that. We need to see that. Legendary. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think back to his um, his farewell speech, he, I'm, I'm sure he says, you know, he'll be back. I'll at, be back, yeah. He'll be back at Stamford Bridge in some capacity. And here he is. So Four you know, years think, later. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely in the right direction. I'm not saying he's going to be Chelsea manager in the next you know, um, five years, but I think there's definitely time for him to, to keep himself here, move up the ranks, get the under 23s and then maybe look at, I think that would be the perfect way to do it. You know, uh, you look at Gerard, his route, you know, youth, I think he was youth manager, wasn't he? Under 18s at Liverpool, went over to Rangers and done that. And he was, he's tipped, I think after this filler job to potentially move over to, to the, the senior um, senior management at Liverpool. So it's a good route to take for me personally. I think John Terry's doing it the right way. Not to say Lampard did it the wrong way, but you know, we see how that ends um, if you don't get the results as manager. But I'm, yeah, I'm happy about that one. I'm really happy. Um, before we wrap up, we sort of run over a bit, but we've sort of touched on this already, but so there was talk around um, Cesar Spiaqueta and what I read this morning was he's got a, an agreement in principle with Barcelona um, to, to sign. So if I'm honest, I'm not really that annoyed that he wants to leave as weird as that sounds. It's going to be heartbreaking obviously because he's, he's part of the furniture at Chelsea. But I think, I think sometimes when something's run its course, it's time to part ways and still have a bit of a career, you know, afterwards. And um, that's why I think as well, I wasn't really that annoyed when Lampard left as well, because I, I knew, you know, he would be back at some point in some capacity, whether that was coaching or management at Chelsea. So um, what, what's your thoughts on not just Aspiaqueta, but we kind of spoke about Christensen and Rudiger and those defensive contracts that still aren't signed. What, what's, what's your thoughts on that at the moment? Is it time to drive them to the airport and, and start bringing in some new players or looking at our under 23s. We've got some really good defenders in the under 23s as well. But what's your view on it? We've still got five months of football to play with these players and they're still mm. crucial to our season. You know, Aspilicueta, our club captain, Rudiger, one of our best defenders, Christensen, one of our youngest and most promising defenders who still got a big part in this team. But like you said earlier in the episode, we need a plan B. If we're losing three of those players, we need a plan B, whether that is youth players, which I can't actually think of, any good centre-backs that are out on loan or in the youth team at the moment. But whether that's a Fafana or a, a Jules Kunde, um, Matisse Delete from Juventus, mm. these type of players. But the Aspilicueta one's a weird one. Like you said, you're, it, maybe it's the right time for him to leave. You know, you're starting to think now, do you... Oh, you wanted to overstay his time at Chelsea. You know, I've been watching the Juventus all or nothing on Amazon Prime and you've got these players like 
Buff- Gianluigi Buffon, <laughs> Bonucci and Chiellini. Fantastic players, but you're almost thinking like they stayed last season when they should, probably yeah. should have left and their make season was awful. Make way for someone else. Yeah, make way for someone else. Even this year, mm-hmm. I don't think they're performing like they did, you know, back in 2015 under, you know, Allegri the first time round. So it's it's kind of, yeah, maybe it's run its course and you're thinking it is maybe time to leave, but Barca love a freebie as well. Um, so... But I mean, that's that's another thing. So I think Christensen is in more that he's lined up almost to to sign with um, with Barcelona as well. Just, so just used to agree kind of personal personal agreements, probably wages and all that. But that one pisses me off a bit more, if I'm honest. I think yeah. because of the the stalling. I think the stalling, the sort of I am going to sign. I think he changed his agent. I think was his brother his agent or his, his brother's now his agent. Or yeah. I can't remember, but he's definitely changed his agent or whoever manages his, his sort of contracts at the moment. And it, it annoys me because of the fact that he, he kind of, I think has been pushing for this sort of, you know, extra year on a contract. And I think Chelsea have sort of buckled and I think they've gave into that, that, you know, it's on, it's on the table for him, but what I think it always comes down to is money and who's paying me more money. So Barca somehow, not sure how, maybe they're doing it on Klarna or something, but they're, they're able to sort of, um, you know, bring these players in when they're meant to be, you know, on, on the arse, you know, meant to be in debt. So uh, that one annoys me um, more so. Rudiger, again, I'd love to keep him. I think based on his, I understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, if he gets the contract, he might do an Abamyang and sort of, you know, <laughs> you know just drop, drop form. and Mess it as well. And Ozil, yeah. Any so any he, player that any player that's overpaid at Arsenal, basically. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. So he he might do that, and I agree. And I, you know, I'd be really, I'd look like an idiot again if that happens. You know, he he does that, but the form that he's in, the the the, the shit houseery that he does, you know, the the way he sort of gets the crowd going, and he, I love all that. I love I it. Love it. I, I, love know, it I think he's someone who can get those players, you know, get them by the scruff of the neck and tell them, you know, to, to wake up or whatever. I think he's that sort of player and you need one of those in your team. And if we lose him as much as he's not always a, you know, a nine out of 10 or an eight out of 10, but just what he does, mm. the sort of grabbing people, you know, wake up or, you know, telling Chalaba to do a bit more. I, I love that. And and again, yeah. the fans, you know, we saw off the leads, I think the leads game, I think he comes like steaming in. There's, there's a commotion at the end of the game and he's, Ran pretty much the full length of the pitch to, to you know, to sort things out. So again, Diego Costa vibes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need someone who's going to do the dirty work and do all that in the team. And he is that, you know, he's that person. So he'll be a big loss if we lose him. But I I don't agree with the sort of, um, you know, pay me this or I'm going. Mm. I don't don't agree with that. You have to set the example. If Rudiger gets a three hundred or four hundred pound contract, thousand pound contracts. Players that are, you know, the likes of Kante, probably he wouldn't dare to ask for that much. Because he's too, we know what Kante is like. He to get downgraded so he can yeah. get to someone else. But yeah. you're starting to think like other players are like, okay, if he's getting paid this much at that age and I want this and, you know, yeah. I want that. And then in two years time, I want this. And then you have to set the example at the club and no player is yeah. bigger than the club. So it will be a big loss for us. But at the same time, going forward, it might be the right thing because it could set a chain of events that was very, very, might, you know, cost us a lot of money and also, you know, mm make us, you know, make players get a lot very selfish as well. So so I think our highest paid player at the moment is Kante, I think, on three hundred yeah. or Yeah, he's on he's on a nice bit of change. Mm. But yeah, but I just don't he want He earns it. He earns it. He does, he, he does. He, he earns it. He, but like yeah, I it was just annoying because we're in January in a couple of days, you're thinking these players might have already agreed to sign for these other clubs and are still playing for our club. Mm. And that's why I'm getting pissed off, you know. Yeah. You're it's you're playing for Chelsea Football Club, you're wearing Chelsea Football Club's kit. But your your head's in Madrid, your head's in Paris, your head's in Munich. Hmm. And this is the thing we're going to see now with players. I think, you know, clubs would rather players wind down, you know, their, their contracts and, and not have to pay that transfer fee and then give mm-hmm. the fee to the players. So yeah. I, this is what makes me think, you know, Chris, um, Christensen will do that. Rudiger's definitely going to do, you know, these players are going to be earning a nice chunk of signing on fee that the club would have been getting. So I think we across the board we're going to see a lot more of that i think we're going mm. to see you know a lot of those those um scenarios yeah you do wonder future. as well if it's the agent as well you know going in their ear saying 
you have to run down your contract. We can both get this amount of money each yeah. or whether it's actually, you know, the player who's forcing a move himself. Because I, I think Rudiger loves Chelsea. That's what's surprising me. Mm-hmm. He's the one who seems like the most frustrated every time we lose, the one who gives 100% until the 90th minute. That's what surprises me the most. Whereas Christensen's body language in the last couple of weeks maybe may indicate that his head's turned, which is very yeah. un- unfortunate. But the Rudiger one is probably more frustrating, like you said. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll we'll be doing because um, I'd imagine as soon as these guys are able to to sign those deals, I think they'll get them done. I think if they're going to do them, they're going to do it like as soon as they're not going to wait and you know start dancing around the table and asking for more money. They're they're, they're going to get it done. So I'm hoping that if that is the case, that they do that because it will just mean we can we can start planning and prepare, preparing for next season already as well. Um, it would just write off this season for me to be fair I don't think if, if those those players do leave or decide to leave I'm just going to write this season off because I, I don't think they'll be putting in that same performance as they, they would be if they were staying at the club knowing that they've got a deal to go you know, walk into as well so um, yeah, it, yeah next couple of weeks I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that but um, for, for guys for those listening on Apple don't forget you can follow us on Instagram we still have the competition I think Theo, remind me from... Yeah, we'll uh, announce the results tomorrow or maybe on New Year's Day, but last chance to enter. So there we go. You've got less than 24 hours now, I think. Don't forget to tag two people. Is it two friends? Add two Two friends. friends. Follow the account. You've got... Match day program. And like the post for the match day program. Yeah, so make sure you do that if you want to win or being in contention to win not not to automatically win you have to be in contention to win mm-hmm. but it's a really good giveaway we're going to be doing another one because we have a, we've actually hit 500 followers on uh twitter as well so we will be doing another giveaway for twitter as well um very shortly but again you can follow us on from the shed end on instagram there's underscores between each of the words but if you just search for from the shed end we should pop up and the same on twitter and again don't forget to like and subscribe make sure you hit the subscribe button as well we appreciate everyone that is subscribed already and they're following the account but we need we need to make sure we can get to as many chelsea fans as possible so make this worthwhile for me and theo after a very shit december so <laughs> so please but like and subscribe a good 2021 let's put it like yeah, that yeah, yeah it's been it's been a brilliant 2021 yeah. no if someone had said to me you know um start you know in the last season we're going to be top top four win the champions league um even the euros you know we're going to do well chelsea is going to do well in that as well i would have said yeah of course i'll take that but you know you can't you can't win every game and you have to take defeats gracefully as well so it wasn't even to defeat why do i keep yeah. saying a defeats it's a draw that's, feels that's, like I, a defeat. I was thinking about it today it's like one positive is how we're treating draws like defeats at the moment yeah you know and that's how kind of how high our expectations are as chelsea fans since two calls come which is kind of a positive i want to take from the draw yesterday 100%, 100%. But this has been episode 46 of From the Shed End Podcast. Theo, thank you for joining me as always. And we will be back next week. Hopefully, I always say this at the end, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe I'm the jinx, but hopefully with a result against Liverpool in the bag as well. We need, we need to bounce back from Brighton. So make sure you join us for episode 47. But thank you very much for listening. <laughs>